0: And uh, Welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. It's Thursday, the 25th of November. Uh, it's Thanksgiving Day. So for any Americans listening, happy Thanksgiving Day. Do, in, do enjoy it. And also just to warn you that uh, VSA Capital is in fact today moving offices. So if suddenly come, somebody comes in and picks up Phil's computer whilst I'm talking to him, the podcast may just suddenly end. <laughs> However, oh, if you hear strange banging, it's just somebody packing a crate. I'll tell you what, Phil. I don't know about you. How many blooming crates have we got in the office? It's thousands of the things. Hey, hey, there is. Do you know what? I mean, if we have the equipment and containers, we'd be doing very well indeed. It's extraordinary. Um, but there you go. Um, anyway, here we are. Uh, let's let's get cracking. Um, see what we can think of today. It could be quite a short one because we are moving, so everything's a bit chaotic. Uh, and of course, we are heading towards the um, the Christmas season. Uh, the the season to be jolly and all of that sort of thing, the festive season. I noticed the Christmas lights are up on the streets and that sort of thing. Even in prep, when you go in there, they're playing Christmas songs. The TV has the Christmas adverts. But of course, the problem is we're seeing that there are supply chain issues. And uh, I noticed that AO World the other day had a horrific price fall because of supply chain issues. And they're threatening that there may not be a a shortage of, of booze this Christmas, which is a disaster, except for the fact that I have a very well stocked up cellar and so it won't affect me. How about you, Phil?
1: <laughs> hey, well, I've got a few cans of Guinness in the fridge, so I might be okay for one. Ah, uh,
0: you, you're going to have a Christmas and a half, aren't you? Oh, um, yes. anyway, <laughs> like the, you know, supply chain issues remain a major factor in the the, uh, the whole tech and transitional energy space, to be honest with you. So, I'm sure that will crop up to a certain extent as we talk along. But uh, let's start off with a few things that may be of interest. Actually, the first thing perhaps we should just mention, partially because it's VSA Capital doing the deal, but we are acting for what we call DPI um, for the uh, recommended bid for Universe Group, haven't we? Aren't we?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Now, it's all pretty quiet. Universe Group isn't a huge company, but maybe you want to explain it's all digital something, isn't it? Uh, what that's all about. I mean, it's recommended. I don't see a counter offer coming in. The price is indicating that it won't. So it should be a very successful little takeover. But it's very interesting. You know, it's an American business acquiring a UK business, isn't it, Phil? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, it is. And this is something we see, uh, I wouldn't say frequently, but certainly in the software space where um, we get American businesses coming in and coming acquiring uh, UK software businesses. And this is. A lot of theme we regularly touch upon is that you know we're we're really really good at developing early stage tech and um, you know to the stage where it is you know value to a a value to a larger you know to a larger player particularly things like software which you can integrate uh, and universe of I think universe is uh, is it payment systems for fueling stations Uh, from memory I'm not being closely obviously I'm not involved in the transaction actually but uh, but uh, yeah there we go so it's another UK company that's getting getting acquired and like to act for it on the yeah. party.
0: Now, talking of that sort of corporate activity or whatever, I noticed that this week, um, Ashdead Technology IPO. Now, I find this rather interesting, purely from a personal point of view, but I used to act back in the, the mid 90s for Ashdead when it was had a market cap of only a few million and basically had a few depots just around Ashdead. It's now obviously a huge FTSE 100 company. I should have stayed in with them, but I obviously was right to spot it. But I do remember in the latter days of me acting for they had just a Nansen, I can't say, Nansen, what's the word? Nascent, Nascent that's it. Business, sorry about that, uh, which was Ashton Technology, which was this sort of um, underwater um, technologies that you could rent. Uh, they've now floated Ashton Technology as an independent company, it's become hugely successful. Um, I believe it was a numerous IPO, it and it's had a successful IPO, gone well. Uh, well done then. Um, great little spin out. Um, yeah, I, I should have should have kept going with that company. But there you go. I was busy building other brokerage firms. Um, uh, so that was one deal this week. And also the other one, and I, I'm not sure if it started trading today, but Galeon has IPO'd, hasn't it? Um, They're coming at a, a 145p, which is actually slightly below the range expected, but I still think it's a fair IPO. I think they've uh, their their market cap actually for what it's worth when they they do list will be about 150 million um, and they do of course do zinc bromide batteries for long duration energy storage so Aussie Russ very interesting because it's a comparison to invinity energy systems you know look zinc bromide clearly has its its benefits over vanadium but because there is a change, there is a physical change in the material when you do the, the transfer of energy, it will have degradation. The great thing about uh, vanadium is that basically you have the same product on either side of the tank, so to speak. So you don't get degradation. But look, it, it's a it's a technology that almost certainly will work. They've come in at 150 million. They're still basically at the prototype stage. We're in the production stage. So theoretically, we should have a higher market cap. We don't. We're 100 million. Uh, yep, that's fact fact. We've talked so a lot about Invinency Energy Systems, but another thing I'll just yeah. point out, I don't, know, I don't know if you saw, Phil, I, I, I may have sent you a copy, um, but Evercore, who are a very well-established, um, they're not investment banks, sort of, uh, they don't really do a lot of what I describe as ECM, they're not like a brokerage business. They actually published a note on the whole energy storage industry, and Evercore are a very well-respected firm. They said it is the next big mega-theme
1: Crikey. I mean, I thought there were new figures from Bloomberg as well, new energy finance on battery, there's just the scale and growth in, in, in battery tech um, and the investment. It's ama- it, it is amazing. And I think the market is finally sort of grasping that there's a real, you know, it's a real structural growth story here. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's why we talk about it almost every week, just in case people haven't quite got the message. <laughs> I'm sure they have got the message. Now, also, look, I'll tell you, there's a couple of stocks we've talked about in the past a little bit, uh, and there's a little bit of news um, out too this week. But interestingly enough, I believe they both may be departing the FTSE 100 index. Uh, the first is Darktrace, uh, where they had an AGM trading statement this week. Uh, everything seemed fine, um, but it, uh, I don't know for sure that it's leaving. Uh, it was, you know, it was a very successful IPO. Um, but yeah, I hear they could be leaving the FTSE. I think that the, the mid December so when they look at these things.
1: Uh, um,
0: but I, I don't have a view on that. No in particular. It's not particularly any exciting news. But the other one, of course, is Johnson Massey, where we we talked a lot about, particularly last week, when they were exiting their battery business. Um, but they had interims this week. Also, they sold off their glass technologies business. Um, but there's word that they may also be leaving the FTSE 100, which would be disappointing, really. Uh, I don't have got any views on those two,
1: Phil. Oh well, Dark, I mean, Dartrace, Trace. Well, cybersecurity was a very successful IPO. It's performed well since the since the IPO. Maybe it's you know maybe the feeling the valuation's got um, maybe got ahead of itself. I, I don't know, but it was a, certainly a successful IPO and good to good to see you know as a new come off to the market. Uh, Johnson Mathy, yeah, there seems to be some changes of direction going on there. Is there. Are they getting a new uh, changing CEO as well? Um, you know, as, as these disposals going on. So
0: um, well, well, I mean, I'll tell you see see how that pans out. Johnson Maddy's obviously been absolutely what um because of their exit from the battery business. But I mean, bear in mind they're looking to actually sell it on. Who knows? Maybe someone will pay them quite a good price for it. And it could end up looking pretty smart. So look, we, we don't analyze it as a stock. But my feeling is down here at uh, £21, it's probably a buy. Um, but that's an instinct rather than anything else.
1: Well, it's, well I'll say to investors, always wor- you know, it's always worth looking at these things, Andrew, when they're going through change. Always a good time to have a lot. Well, and the market tends to worry. Uh, and when markets
0: are worried, often not a bad time to actually play. Huh. Yep, indeed so anyway there we go um, right now um, let's have a little let's have a, let's have a little think we've had a few results this week haven't we uh, and things going on um, we had sort of tech I suppose um, a little bit um, outside of it reach had a trading statement um, Ahead of full year, currently trading ahead of full year expectations, that they've got sort of digital, uh, in, they enable digital investments, that sort of tech. Uh, but actually, in general, the RNSs this week have all been pretty positive. Companies in general are trading ahead of expectations, uh, which the market seems to not get that excited about. We also had though, which you may have spotted yourself, Phil, uh, TT Electronics on Tuesday at a trading statement. Do you have a look at that one? No,
1: and well, I should pull you out again. I, I love it when I, I start. It. You know, I've been, I've been just thinking of something else right now. And I used to cover TT Electronics as well. So, cool. What did it say, Andrew? What All did right,
0: well, they had a little trading statement. They said the, the, the group's performance was revenue growth of about 10% up as expected. Uh, oh. Revenue to the, in the four months to October was 11% higher than the previous year. I mean, that doesn't actually get you that excited and then then we're, i'm going to come back again to what we started off on it then said but global supply chain constraints have continued in the second half and in some areas have tightened principally impacting power and connectivity uh-huh. increased material and freight costs have been broadly offset by efficiencies and price management supported by the self-help program which continues to progress well and we remain on track to deliver the anticipated run rate benefits of about billion in 2023. So it, it was, it was, you know, it's the same story. It's a bit dull, 10% growth, but it's this supply chain. It's really still hanging around there
1: and causing quite a lot of issues. It is. We're not seeing. I mean, and TTs and electronics as well, uh, and components. But there's no. There doesn't seem to be an easing. Up, which has surprised me, because normally uh, for the electronics manufacturer, capacity tends to increase to respond to demand. um But in this case, clearly still not matching demand, and then you couple that with all the freighting, the freighting issues, and it compels it. But yeah, you're right. You know, there doesn't seem to be an easing on it. Companies are trying their best to, to adapt, and have now had a good few, good few months to do so. But nonetheless,
0: I'll tell you another one which you, you weren't expecting. Yeah. It's a fairly niche area, and it, again. It, it's not really technology but the company is called access technology so you could argue it's got technology but what they do is a coil of wood where yeah. they basically inject chemicals into a soft wood to make it a hard wood it's a really you know they had um uh results revenue up 31 percent. now they are still making a small loss um but it's it's a very interesting um, business model where, you know, this is going to grow and grow and grow. They haven't quite got, I think, the whole production side. They actually have production in, in um, I think it's Holland, and also up, up north around the Humberside region. Um, the way to really do this is actually, and they do have, um, there is a sister company called um, CBM, um, which uh, actually is traded on the NASDAQ first north. But they have all the rights in, basically, China and Asia. And the way to do this, actually, is to have your manufacturing in China because your costs come down so significantly. Uh
1: Um,
0: And actually, that's how to build out of what is a really interesting technology, a very serious business. And you could well be hearing more about that from uh, VSA Capital going forward because, obviously, we have very strong links into China. Uh, We understand this particular industry pretty well. Um, And so just watch this space.
1: Yeah, that, that, looks, that sounds exciting. I remember. Yeah, I've looked at access technologies before because it's you know it's an alternative to hardwoods, on which of course we are desperately trying to save forestry at the moment. It's, yeah, it's a really interesting business. Yeah, well, I well, will spot it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's what I do. I keep my eye open for things like this. Anyway, that's what I've seen. What are you seeing in, in result in your well, lots on electric
1: vehicle charging? Oh, well, we like that there's been a lot of, quite a bit of news flow on this one. Um, there was a report on the BBC that uh, all new homes and buildings in England will be required by law to install electric vehicle charging points from next year, our dear Prime Minister has announced. Um, so we've currently got 25,000 charging points, but the uh, Competition Markets Authority say that 10 times as many will be needed before 2030. My word. Uh, so that's, uh, that, that, that's quite something uh, yeah, Also, sorry, I'll
0: just pick you up on that actually, because it was crunchy, because actually that was announced on Monday yep. uh, and I was actually driving up from Cornwall and, and seeing a very interesting business uh, in Exeter and it, it was on the Jeremy Vine show discussing this whole issue of charging points and EV range anxiety etc oh, yeah. uh, and you know it was interesting because most of the callers into the show um, absolutely hit the nail on the head um and that is that the real issue here is that the local authorities need to bloody well get their act together because at the end of the day it's fine if you've got a big house with a nice driveway and you're away from everybody but you know if anybody certainly in london for instance you know you park your car on the street there's basically nowhere to charge you're not supposed to run cables out of your house but can you even park your car outside the house what we need is local authorities to really get their act together and say right we're going to put in a proper charging network. Some of the lampposts around London now are getting chargers put in, which is the way to do it. There's lots and lots of lampposts where obviously electricity runs into them. You just simply put in a charging point in all the lampposts, uh, and then you can actually have a proper EV charging network. But it's the, the local authorities who need to get their act together. Now, they probably won't get their act together unless central government tell them to get their act together. So we need central government to actually Tell people to get on and do this. Not just whiffle waffle, pepper pepper-the-pig talk from Boris Johnson, but actual action. You know, this is what Her Majesty the Queen was saying. Governments, unfortunately, talk a lot, but don't actually go into action.
1: Well, so do you. I'll tell you what, Andrew, also just occurred to me, is, um, you know, we've been rolling out fibre networks from curb to house uh, under the broadband Program, high-speed broadband programs across the country, why don't, we, why don't we do the two in parallel, instead of digging the roads up twice, um, and put charging points in, into Lampos, as you say.
0: I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? In many ways, EV charging is very, and the way we're going with electrification is very similar to the whole broadband situation, because, you know, we did, everybody now basically has broadband into their house. And we did go through a period, whatever it was, twenty years ago, where all the broadband networks were going in and then consolidated. And, and actually, of course, the other point that I happen to believe in is that because renewable energy, once we've really got it going properly, the marginal cost is effectively zero because you basically the wind and the sun is free and you've got your infrastructure in place. It's time we moved on from paying, you know, for the amount of electricity used per watt or whatever, and having a little meter in your cupboard that spins around like I don't know what. But you just pay, actually, like a bit like broadband, you pay a monthly charge. And then you can use as much of it or as little of it as you want. And that way, you know, you go along to your lamppost, you plug in your car, it recognises that it's you and your car, and it just comes off your monthly charge bill. And that's actually the way I think that energy needs to go and people need to start thinking about it. And, yes, I think EV charging will become just like the internet and broadband. Yeah,
1: well, i just... Well, I hope it. I hope it does because they do need to get this rolled out um, quickly. But but it does involve, you know, a, a man or a lady in a van and a lot of, you know, physical work on the on the roads. And that's a different different thing altogether. That's yeah. You know, it's properly coordinated. Uh, did you see that? Um, IONITY had raised seven hundred million euros as well this week. And that's that's charging EV charging network. Uh, but this is for, uh, they're based in Munich, this is for fast charging, um, and they operate uh, across about 7,000 charging points by 2025 is their is their plan. So money the money's going into the sector, there's no lack of interest in the sector, but as you and I are discussing here, there are, there are challenges in actually getting it done. Well, there's a lot of challenges, and there's
0: also a slight lack of players, I mean, obviously pod mm-hmm. point. Um, IPO'd fairly recently, and that's probably the, the the one that people will look at in the UK. We've talked a lot about Nexus Infrastructure because they actually have eSmart Energy that does this, but there's a slight yeah. lack of players out there. And again, you know, if you're going to do this game, you, you're sort of selling boxes doesn't really make you money. You, you've got to get into the whole software and grid services behind it. Again, another reason why we like Nexus because they actually have a grid services division. Yeah, um, but yeah, you need to do more than that. But no, that's a lot of money
1: w- went in there. No, oh, so, so, so maybe, well, maybe BT should get in this space because it knows all about wiring things up at uh, the curb. There you are.
0: That's, that's not a stupid idea. I'll, I'll give them a call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Just um, um, <laughs> quickly staying on the theme of electrification. I don't know if you saw that uh, Teva T E V V A is a private company, uh, electric lorry startup. That just raised $57 million as well this week. I saw that. Uh, looking to uh, build a London plant and deliver first vehicles by the end of 2022. And the tell you what got me here. It was there. Remember we talked last week about electrified uh, hybrid taxis in London with their range of, well, I was in one and he said he did 50 miles, which didn't seem much. But their electric uh, truck, 7.5 ton models, 260 um, kilometre. Range with a small reserve of hydrogen fuel cell. Yeah, hey, it's a hybrid. That's interesting. There we go. Yeah,
0: that's the way to do it. Bit of e, bit of EV, and a bit of hydrogen, and just yep. keep out the ice, which is internal combustion engine. Is- in I think I've gone completely off my mind and think of gin and tonics.
1: No, I didn't think you
0: up for a minute. And <laughs> then
1: instead, uh, just back onto the quoted space was Rolls Royce, uh, kind of missed the electric plane test flight that they did. Uh, reaching a top speed of 387 miles an hour. Now, I'm not sure if that's faster than the Spitfire, or it might be, but there's over a three-kilometre course. But you know, it's a demonst- great demonstration in principle of how these things could, uh, yeah, in practice will work. That the, plane, the shape of
0: the plane is not so dissimilar to that from the Spitfire, it's quite mm-hmm. interesting. And of course the engine there, the EV engine they have in that is with a joint venture with uh, Yasser Motors, which is just outside Oxford. And is a holding in the Parkwalk portfolio. Uh, Parkwalk being part of IP Group.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. There you. Okay. Yeah, I do know these things.
1: trust you, 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 yeah, you really do. So <laughs> there we are. So not too much on the. Oh, finally on the company. I've got to quickly make a quick mention on the company news front. Uh, and this is one we've mentioned before. Uh, it's Cerulean. Thicker mm. is CER. Market cap is two hundred forty-three million. And they had their finals and their share price has been doing very well this year. And Cerulean, do, uh, from memory, it's uh, software for telecommunications companies and um, for billings and customer management. And they've got 80 installations across 45 countries. But if you look to their results, Andrew, their revenue was up 25% to $26 million. Uh, New orders up by 40% and their uh, back book was increasing by 36%. I thought they, I mean, that was a good, strong set of results. And in the, you know, it's, as I say, it's telecom systems and billing, uh, billing systems. So I thought that was, that, was a, that was a really good performance. And the share could be reflecting that.
0: Life's not too bad out there, considering. But we should probably, as time rattles on, Phil, this has, has become a little bit sort of tech trans and brands. Uh, talk a little bit about the brand sector, because there's a little bit of news out here um that's worth mentioning um we should probably start you you you've published a note today uh on one of our clients um s ventures uh what's the headline of your note phil
1: ah you know you've written it uh, yes i know I've- yeah it's a uh, like, well, what is this S Ventures is quoted on Aquis the ticker is uh, S Ven's about 35 million market cap, um, and they are a specialist in food technologies and um, f- food the, the area of food tech that they're involved in is um, so that so they got branded products they're in uh, things like protein bars they're in, like healthy chocolates that they develop they're also developing. Uh, meat-free burgers so sort of tech to develop these products you need food scientists uh, and obviously the recipes become uh, proprietary so it's that part of the food tech space where you are actually creating uh, creating the products they wholly own a company called Pulsin which we visited Andrew in Gloucester um, and Pulsin is very well known brand for protein shakes and protein bars and they are selling to main retailers in the UK, selling on e-commerce platforms, Um, but they also have investments in UK food tech companies as well. And so what they're looking to do is to uh, centralize things like development, finances, marketing, because with a lot of these products, you've got similar types of customers, you've got similar customer demographic, and the end markets are growing, uh, growing really strongly. So yeah, it's an exciting space. And look it's all about
0: future deals and uh, Scott Livingston the, the CEO is very talented and I think the future deals he does will be seriously value enhancing to shareholders so um, watch out for deals coming out of this company which will really I think put a rocket underneath it um, obviously we, we act as ventures we also you know we recently floated um, Silverwood Brands which is another one of ours floated them at 40p they're now up 20% which is nice to see in not easy markets now trading about 48p. And it's also worth just mentioning the brand, and this ties in also with technology, that, of course, the big brand we all know is Lush. And they came out with some extraordinary news, really. Mark Constantine, the founder, said that he's going to completely take them off. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, you name it. He's shutting it all down. because He doesn't like what they're saying. Um, well, it's an interesting move. Um, and there is some interesting press going around about Lush where maybe they're not quite as ethical as they make out they are. Uh, we'll see. But, I mean, I think that's normally when you have people saying, I'm, I don't like social media, I'm shutting it all down. Normally, someone's got something to hide. Wouldn't you say
1: that's true? I don't know. I couldn't possibly speculate on that. But social media is uh, it, it's a powerful marketing channel. And it's a very, very successful one. So, yeah. It's um, an interesting move.
0: We will watch this space with interest, should we put it that way? It's it's a company that's a very private company uh, that not a lot of people necessarily know about what goes on behind the scenes. Um, I also noticed that uh, whilst on brands, a Revolution Beauty had a trading update uh, this week, which again was very, very positive. Um, this whole brand space is going really well. There's so much growth in it. Um, and obviously we act well actually if people's put it we act for the three s's samacan silverwood and s ventures um we love them all they're all as good as each other you just buy them all um easy peasy peasy uh that's probably brands i think it's worth just commenting upon, which i find fascinating and i would just simply say to listeners if you haven't followed this it's well worth learning about it i don't know if you've been following the the trial of elizabeth holmes
1: i Oh, my word. Yeah, I saw the early part of the trial and obviously saw the, uh, who was it produced it? The documentary on Elizabeth Holmes. Well, this is Theranos, isn't it? Correct. Theranos. Yeah. A machine where you basically put your thumb in it, get a thumb
0: prick. And off that, they could do 200 tests on, on various diseases and everything. And big companies like Walmart fell for it completely. And it was, I think it was worth about $6 billion at one stage. And of course, the machine actually was just basically an empty box. Uh, and that, that she's on trial with, was it a big contract and should she be sent to jail for it or did she think things were actually happening who knows um but i think it is interesting because you know we do see more you know if you've got a an apple watch on your wrist nowadays it's telling you what your blood pressure is what your fitness regime is what you're thinking whether you probably had too much alcohol maybe that's why my mind keeps bleeping at me um because I probably have um but i think more and more we are going to see medical tech actually going down this sort of route I mean she was in a way just ahead of her time and if you remember when Steve Jobs first started producing his first sort of laptops and things he actually basically had just empty boxes but was pretty convinced he could get people in you know engineers in to actually make it work and he did Um, and I think that's what probably Elizabeth Holmes thought you know here's an idea let's get the people in to make it work she just couldn't quite get the people in but you know more and more we're going to see more of this I think medical tech that ability it's definitely a very interesting growth area. I don't know enough about it, to be honest with you. I'm very interested in, in companies
1: that are involved in it. Yeah, and the consumers' attitudes towards medical tech is changing as well, and using medical tech at home. And I think, you know, the Apple Watch has done an awful lot to contribute to that. So, you, well, see, you know, you'll see a change in demand as well. You
0: think about it, you can go and do a COVID test at home by yourself as well, you know, so, uh, and get a nice negative result. We, we have them every week around our office. So what's to stop us actually being able to test, you know, for all sorts of things, very simply at home, say you having to go to the GP, freeze up the whole National Health Service and we'll just make everybody healthier and better. It's got to be the way forward. It, it, again, I hate to say it, it's this bloody government probably needs to say, you know what, this is a great idea. Why aren't we, you know, funneling money and and pushing people in to do this, because actually at the end of the day, if you can take the pressure off the National Health Service, allow people to test more themselves at home and not have to go see doctors and use up valuable time, actually you save money. So it sort of is in government's interest to try and stimulate this sort of uh, capability.
1: Look, andrew you are thinking ahead there and you are spot on and it's a, it is a bloody exciting space that's for sure yeah anything involves trying to hang on the phone to a gp or get an appointment but it, 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 you're right it just stops all that clogging up the actual you know doctors and the hospitals
0: and that's what we need to do
1: anyway uh, anything else you want to talk about phil or should we call it a day then i think we'll have to call it a day and get packing our boxes yeah. up. Get back packing.
0: Uh, Okay, look, I hope everyone enjoyed that podcast. Sorry, it was a little bit chaotic because I say we are literally, there are people moving things off our desk as we speak, uh, which makes it very difficult to get all the right information. Um, But please do, um, actually, I've had quite a lot of feedback on the podcast recently. A lot of people say it's about the right length. They like the sort of the attitude, the way we whiz through a lot of things, have a bit of a laugh. So it appears that people are enjoying it, but always interested in views, always interested in stocks you'd like us to have a look at and talk about. Just let us know. We're more than happy to do it. Um, but on that note uh, we'll be back next week we will indeed Andrew